0: podcast is brought to you by Welcome to another edition of Watch This or Die. Podcast, your weekly fix for quality movie recommendations. I'm Scott Croucher. And I'm Matt LaPlante. And we will be your hosts on this cinematic voyage. Now it is our goal every week to recommend to you a movie that we not only fucking love, but one that we're pretty damn sure you will too. So over the next 100 minutes or so, we're going to do our very best to convince you to go and check out this movie like your life depends on it. Now, without further ado, the movie that we are recommending to you this week is Killing Them Softly. Alright, you ready to do this?
1: That's what you got—dishwashing gloves. We're gonna look like a bunch of amateurs. What's this? It's a of off shotgun? Is what you asked me to get you? It's gonna kill everybody in the room.
2: Mark Trappman's game was hit a couple of nights ago.
1: Hey, hey, hey! Just give it all up. Nobody gets hurt. It's only
2: money. where do we go from here? We start with Trapman. They are not gonna okay anything major here. What does that mean? They just want you to talk to them. Hey
1: what's going on? Hey! hey!
2: Talk to them. Shove them around a little. Don't hurt them too badly because they don't want them hurt.
3: Let's have a beer.
0: And welcome to 2021 and our 18th episode and first of the brand new year. Well, for those of you listening to this, you are listening to this in the future from when we're recording because we're still in fucking 2020. So we're assuming that we're in 2021 right now. There's a real good chance that we are not. Now, that being said, that's one of the reasons we decided to pick the movie, our first of this year, 18th overall, killing them softly because how closely the events in the background of this movie are to the current events we are living through Now, and for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, in the background of this movie is the 2008 financial collapse in America against the background of also the 2008 presidential campaign uh, in which uh, President Obama wins his first election. Here we are in 2021 for those of you. We are in a close financial collapse in this country as it is and a brand new president is about to take the reins of yet another fucking dumpster fire and have to pull us out of it again. I'm not saying always seems like Republican presidents get us into dumpster fires. I'm just saying lately, it sure does seem like like that. History is repeating itself. Crazy, isn't it? It's crazy that it is actually fucking repeating itself.
4: Normally it's like a longer time frame, but this is pretty fast, guys. Come on.
0: Yeah, yeah. It took it took 8 years with Bush, uh with Fuckface, face, it took 4. Four, <laughs> 4 years. Great job. You needed to one up them. Great job. It is crazy though that when you look back at the movie Killing Them Softly, they were able to juxtapose the political and social climate of 2008 2007 2008 2009 time frame into that movie and make you know even within that story make it feel very connected and then rewatching it again i've seen this now two times this year or actually in the last couple of months i just really do enjoy it. i forget how good a movie it is and how quick yeah, it is great. like it's under 100 minutes it's a,
4: yeah it's a, it's a very short movie
0: it's a good chance this podcast about it like go longer than the actual runtime oh, yeah. time of the film no, definitely rewatching i was like holy shit like now here we are 12 years in the future 8 years from the movie came out and this movie just you know changed a couple of the video clips and sound bites that they used from there this movie could be happening right now like it feels like we you know we jumped 12 years into the future and we just landed back in the same spot it's almost like we're in a time loop i feel like yeah, we're in a time loop
4: it really is it's uh like it same thing backwards too like it could very much go back to like the Reagan era too if you just changed like the backdrop to and changed all the the way they intertwine the televisions go Going And, like, the clips of just audio, either on the radio or just in the background, like, with TVs, of the news going on constantly. You know, it feels like every bar that they go into, all they're watching is the fucking news, which I've never gone into a bar and there's the fucking news playing.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, it's true. There's a lot of places that there's news playing all the time and not the right kind of news, but we won't get into that. One thing I will say, though, is what those clips do... It's either this movie plays out over a series of months or they're just yeah, kind of quick. using these. Because all the financial collapse happened in around the springtime of 08. So by the time we finish the movie, it looks like we're on inauguration. We're on. Um, November, you know, late November, they uh, Obama's just won. He's basically giving his winning speech. Yeah. So it it feels like unless you know they're trying to parlay it as just you know not worrying about time frame matching up and more or less using the clips to kind of juxtapose what they're trying to tell in the story, you know, to to make it fit even in the moments that they're using it, you know, they're not worried about the fact of people you know piecing it together as a timeline. So I figured it's either one of those two. They're just using it for the cinematic creativity of it that actually helps lend to the scenes that they actually use them in, or it actually does take place over several months within the uh the tie from this movie.
4: Yeah, it does seem like a pretty fastly paced movie, especially once the events start rolling in this movie. You gotta kinda figure almost like it may have happened in the fall, moving into, you know, now with it climaxing in November. Like starting maybe right in September and, you know, quickly ending in uh November.
0: Well, Hopefully you've had a nice new year, folks. Hopefully you haven't drank too much, or maybe you drank just the right amount just to help forget 2020. Hopefully this is not the beginning of Speed 2, the horrible sequel. Hopefully we're getting ready to start uh, either The Godfather 2 or the Empire Strikes Back sequels for 2021. Yes. But we're now going to just begin with the nuts and bolts of this movie that we've chosen for you this week, Killing Them Softly. When a couple of low-level crooks rob a mob-protected poker game, a slick enforcer is hired to track down the offenders and take care of business in and Andrew Dominic's neo-noir crime film, Killing Them Softly. We got the two kids.
2: One of them starts bragging about how he just knocked over this guy's game for 100K. I don't know what it is with <laughs> these guys. They can't keep the mouth shut about nothing. It goes up like a bonfire, I love it. <laughs> so who's gonna do it, you? I need Mickey for that one. New York Mickey? Right, so what, you want me to do a double I gotta handle it. I don't know if they'll spring for two guys. It's a two-man job. I come in here every day. I know. God, I don't know you. Very few guys know me. You're in a position very few guys ever get in. You have choices. Look, I don't know if I can do this. You made a mistake. You got to make things right.
0: This movie, as I said earlier, came out in 2012. It is written and directed by Andrew Dominic. It stars Brad Pitt, Scooter McNary, who I think a couple of podcasts back we talked about how good Scooter McNary is. Yeah, I mean,
4: he's so good. Yeah,
0: so we got finally a chance to really see him. Ben Mendelsohn, Richard Jenkins, James Gandolfini in one of his last roles before he passed, Ray Liotta, and Sam Shepard, who was in it for like a scene. Like I'm surprised he even got. Oh,
4: such a great scene though.
0: <laughs> I'm surprised he's even in the thing. It's he's basically like the the shadow of who he is is what is you know kind of carries through the movie. Yes. For those of you who didn't know who our director was, he also directed Brad Pitt in the great western that you've heard us talk about, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. So this is the second. Second time that these two gentlemen have worked together, and what what a fantastic piece of filmmaking it is! And we're going to get into that. They made this on a budget of fifteen million, and I feel like the budget went to obviously the acting, the actors. I mean, they've got a pretty intense cast in here at the time. You know, I mean, James Gandolfini's just fresh off of his big fame, obviously doing The Sopranos. You've got Brad Pitt makes you know he's Brad Pitt. Ray Liotta's gonna hefty fine. So most of the money I feel went to the casting of this movie. It did make back, however, thirty seven point nine million. Now, we're going to get into the ratings, and you know how much this chaps my ass. However, what really chaps my ass is how poor these ratings are. On IMDb, you know, the barometer of all great movie ratings (laughs) this movie failed with a 6.2 a 62 this movie got a 62. over on rotten tomatoes the critics gave it a 73 and the audience score was a 44. what the fuck seriously yeah it
4: was it was one of very
0: few films to actually get an f cinema score it's just crazy that it's that low because this film is fantastic Maybe it's just us. Maybe we just like it too much. I don't know. I don't understand what it is about this movie that, you know, people didn't like. It's yeah, fast-paced. It's got a it great is. story. It's got a great cast. It's a great crime movie. I mean, it's got humor in it. It's got some amazing uh, special effect shots they pull off in this thing that we're going to get into. It's got great scenes, you know, and it's got some amazing acting. And it has a couple of people playing outside of the normal roles they play.
4: Oh, yeah, big time.
0: Big time. Most most notably, Ray. Oh, uh, Ray Liotta, James Gandolfini, <laughs> yep. you know. And then yeah. even Brad Pitt playing the heavy. Like, he doesn't normally play yeah. the heavy. He's a great heavy in this. Richard Jenkins. Is, I mean, there's not a missed beat by anyone in this casting.
4: Oh, it's amazing. Even little ones like uh, George Carroll playing Kenny Gill. He's so good. And, you know, he was actually brought in and made, like, famous into, like, acting by his first appearance in Gone Baby Gone. And then he came back for the town with Ben Affleck. So he did both those Ben Affleck uh, films. Um, But before that, he was just a rapper in Boston. Actually, in this scene in Gone Girl, when he first appears with Casey Affleck and they're driving in the car and he's listening to a rap song on the radio, it's actually him on the radio.
0: Well, it's funny because the scene in the car <laughs> in this movie is a
4: whole different so, twist to Oh my god, it. So I, I, I went back, I, I watched it three times. It does not get old.
0: We're not going to waste any more of your time. We're going to jump right in to the top five reasons we believe you should watch this movie. The top five reasons to watch this movie. Number one. The knocking over of Mark Trapman's card game. Now before we dive into it further, we've got to give you a little background of what the fuck we're talking about. Scooter McNary plays this basically down-as-luck piece of shit <laughs> who's just gotten out of prison for, you know, probably crimes and misdemeanor, some stupid beanie, yeah, some some beanies, st- yeah, some dumb like thing. Yeah, yeah. And he's decided to align himself with a guy he met in prison, played by Ben Mendelsohn, who does not uh, have an American accent. He plays himself full Australian.
4: Full Australian dope head.
0: He's an Australian heroin head who apparently, as we find out in scenes when they talk together, fucked an old man in jail called Goat Ass. So am <laughs> oh
4: my god, so, so great.
0: Scene between them, they actually have on the way to this this job. They
4: should actually just brought a goat in for you.
0: Oh, so ridiculous. Now, they're hired by a gentleman named Squirrel, Johnny Amato. The gentleman who plays him, I forgot his actual name, he is also a soprano alum. They are going to knock off a mob-protected card game. And the person's card game they're knocking off is Ray Liotta's. and he plays Mark Trapman. And the reason they've decided to do this is Mark Trapman, four years ago, knocked off his own card game. And he was given a pass because everyone likes Mark. He's dumb as shit and should never say anything, but he knocked off his own card game. Got
4: too drunk, spilled the beans.
0: And so they think this is a perfect opportunity that they're gonna knock this card game over and make a couple of grand, I think he even said, you know, they're gonna make 30 to 60 grand a piece. In the context yeah. of the movie where this is taking place in 2008 timeframe against the backdrop of the financial collapse that we had back then, that kind of money for these guys who are pretty much low lives and do nothing is kind of a, it's a big payday. You know what I mean? Like, oh,
4: yeah. It's enough cash to get them somewhere else, you know? Yeah. They both get their plans going with it, you know? <laughs> Good old Ben Mendelssohn, he's, like, ready to become a drug dealer. Uh, oh, my God, the worst drug dealer because uh, he can barely do anything else. Yeah. He can't even walk dogs through. A he, bit.
0: Steals <laughs> he steals dogs. They're collecting dogs to then take down to Florida and sell them. That's his he big brain to... scam. It's oh, man. It's played so beautifully. He plays it with just the right of note that it doesn't. It's not overly comical. You know, it doesn't turn like an no. Adam Sandler like plot line. You know, I mean, it's it very actually works. real. Yeah.
4: It's, yeah. He needed to talk to Christopher Walken, uh, in uh, his character in uh, Seven Psychopaths to figure out yeah, the real, right? the, the correct way to handle dogs, st- <laughs> dogs stealing. Because yeah, he's a check.
0: And can we just say that he deserved to be nominated for a supporting actor in this. The way he plays it when he's on high yeah. in heroin, he's fantastic. Like yeah. how he didn't get it nominated is, is beyond me. How a lot of them didn't get nominated. I mean this only got a no. 44 from the audience. I don't know what the fuck they're yeah. watching. Yeah,
4: no, it's it's crazy. Nobody, nothing got nominated for it. It, it. It's absolutely nuts. It's so good. Poor guy just needed a nomination for how shitty they had to make him look all time all the time. He's literally just pretty much covered in dog shit. And like even after they have money, he's still covered in dog uh, shit.
0: Yeah. Always He's sweaty and wet you know oh, it, just, always yeah. sweaty wet and dirty so. oh damn. Yeah. Mm.
1: It's
4: gross. It's so gross. Good kudos to him for dealing with that for the whole period of filming. While everybody else is all slicked back, leather jackets, not him, or suits. Yeah, not him. He's the one, he gets the shit under the stick, literally.
0: So their plan is they're going to knock out this card game. And the feeling is, by Squirrel, the brains of this operation, they feel that what will end up happening is that they'll instantly think it was Marky. They'll instantly go after him, probably end up beating him or killing him, and that'll be it, and they'll get away with it. And so they start this whole scene in this car that they've stolen. And they're driving. That's a nice car. Like He picks up a really nice yeah. early to mid-70s sports car, uh, muscle machine, and it's nice. And they come pulling up, and on the way there, they're having this conversation with Ben Mendelsohn's character about uh, fucking people in, in jail. And <laughs> because they're talking about having sex, and and he asks Scooter McNary's character, last time he had sex, and they get out of this conversation about jail. And, and Ben tells him, like, I told you, when you go to prison, you got to find an old clean fucker
1: yeah, to fuck. Yeah, old clean
0: fucker. <laughs> Why? there and he's like well goat ass so wasn't clean he goes well that's the sacro if you can't find an old clean fucker you find an old dirty fucker and that's when Scooter was like, we just brought you a goat <laughs> we should just brought you a goat oh my god it's
4: so great oh he's so dirty <laughs> you're not getting any are you?
1: go fuck yourself tomorrow night i'm getting some all right you know this thing goes all right this is my last night of priest I'm fucking take care of my own hog <laughs> You certainly had a bunch of practice of taking care of your own hog. That's real fucking nice talk. A guy like you sticking it in goat ass (laughs) and satchel? Fucking really nice talk. Hey, we're in jail, you know? Rule number one, find yourself a lovely, clean, older man. Who the fuck told you that goat ass was clean? Rule number two, if you can't find that lovely, clean, older man, take the dirty one. (laughs) You're fucking sick. (laughs) You know, we should have actually had them get you a goat, (laughs) you know? (laughs) <laughs> and bring him into the jail, and you can fuck the goat. You know, I had some clout with the keepers. Oh, those poor dogs. You sure you're not fucking around with those dogs? <laughs> no, because the dogs, they, 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 they bite. You know. I mean, I'll give you some advice, mate. Don't, not with the dog. You know, they can nip. From what I hear, that's very painful. From what I hear, you know, you're better off with, uh, with
2: women, mate. If you can
1: get yourself one, that is.
0: What's great is it shows their camaraderie, their real relationship because a lot of times, you know, you watch movies where they're about to do a heist or something and sometimes they oversell the heist like they're, you know, they're too serious, they're talking about the heist and yeah. it becomes very cliché. When that scene starts in the movie, even when I was watching it again, I forgot that they were headed to the freaking heist. Yeah,
4: because they get so relaxed. Yeah,
0: so pulled in by their conversation. I'm like, oh. And then all of a sudden they pull up. I'm like, oh, shit, that's right. They're going to now knock a poker game off now. I just thought they were getting getting ready to do it. you got to imagine, though, in real life, if you're going to knock
4: over a card game, you don't want to keep talking about it because then it's just going to get you more anxious and thinking about it. And then you're going to be more likely to mess up where you know these guys kind of relax. The only time that they start to get a little unnerved (laughs) when you realize that you don't sign the dopad oh my to grab God everything for this because it's
0: it's fantastic and the, so good it's comical. It brings a it lot is. of humor, but the way it's also played is it's not played comical. It's played as if Ben Mendelsohn's character is just a complete fuck-up, and then he gets kind of pissed off because you asked him to do something. He did it for you. He fucked it up, but he's still like, no, oh, dude, I did it. I did I it. Did yeah, it. And he's, yeah, and he's, like, he's a little embarrassed. And what we mean by that is they show up, <laughs> and they weren't they're going to wear stocking masks. This is basically those of us who followed panty-hose. us. Yeah, if you followed us on the <sighs> Nicholas Cage podcast, they are pulling a Raising Arizona type <laughs> ice where they're pulling pantyhose on over their face yeah. and then gloves and it
4: really disguises your face yep. very well
0: it actually you know what's crazy enough it really does it's because the way it presses down on your face it, it presses totally your distorts and, uh-huh, yeah. it totally distorts yeah, your face it's creepy Scooter Manier sent him to get this so, so Scooter Manier's job was to grab the car he sends ben Nelson character to take care of everything else and by everything else he's got to get him stocking masks gloves <laughs> and weapons so He gets the stockings right. That's the only thing that he gets right. He didn't find regular doctor gloves. He finds dishwashing gloves. The yellow dishwashing gloves. Super
4: heavy-duty, thick dishwashing gloves. You you could barely feel anything through them.
0: Obviously, I'm a product of the 80s, and... Before there was dishwashers, we had to wash dishes by hand, and I remember wearing those to wash dishes in the sink. And when they put them on, I know how hard they are to get on your fucking yeah. fingers, no matter. What. Like you literally need Vaseline anything. to get your hands in these fucking things, just to even the make worst. them wear. And so these two clowns are putting these on, and he hands. Them. <laughs> First time I saw this, <laughs> my <laughs> saw him, I saw my life. He hands him. It's supposed to be a shotgun. It's basically a handgun. Looks <laughs> like. I mean, it's I It's hard to describe. Imagine a double barrel sawed shotgun often. that's yeah. been. Sawed got off so close that the only thing left is you basically see the shell sticking out and then yeah. the handle, and he has a revolver. Ben Mendelsohn's character, the revolver is bigger than this fucking shotgun, <laughs> and he hands it to him. He goes, "The fuck is this?" He goes, "You asked for a sawn-off." Sh-. I love how he says sawed. It. It's sawn-off. A sawn-off shotgun. I got you a sawn-off shotgun. <laughs> <And> he-, <laughs> he looks and he goes, "Because we're going to shoot this guy we kill we're in the fucking room, <laughs> like yeah. even himself. If he pulls the trigger, he is dead. It's spraying everywhere. Oh
4: my God. Or oh, it's going to misfire. Oh like, this my is just God. bad.
0: I it's the craziest thing when he hands it to him, and he even Scoot is like, up, us up. He goes, "They're gonna think we're fucking amateurs going in like this." He's got dish gloves on and this fucking sauna shotgun that's it'd kill everybody. And then maybe why no one does anything when they go in the room is because they realize yeah. that this, that this, the explosion on this is gonna kill. I mean, it's not even traveling yeah. down the tube. It's literally like a firecracker no, blowing just, up in your face.
4: It, yeah, it's just there's BBs going everywhere. And I gotta feel like if
0: we, <laughs> he only gets one shot because it's so yeah. close to the other shell. I feel like it's gonna both shells are going off at the same time. It's yeah. so like Chain reaction. The spread is going to be unreal. It's going to take everyone out.
4: Yeah, it, it's crazy. I, I love when he gets <laughs> out of the car. He's like, uh, he's got, he's like, I got a fucking grenade and grenade a fucking condom on my hand.
0: <laughs> and he says it not funny. Like he's pissed off. Like he's it's funny, mad. but he is, furious. he is
1: mad. Jesus, that's what you fucking got? Dishwashing gloves? Okay, take what you can fucking get, all right? These fucking things are too thick. It's what they had. They might add some fucking latex gloves from, like, a fucking hospital or something. You'll make do. There you go. Jesus, the fuck is this? What does it look like? It's a fucking sawn-off shotgun, okay? It's what you asked me to fucking get you. I mean, you asked me for this, mate. We shoot sure somebody power? with this fucking thing. It's gonna kill everybody in the fucking room. Well, tell them that. We're gonna look like a bunch of fucking amateurs when we go in there.
0: Take a breath.
1: All right, you ready to do this? You don't even have your glove on. Got my fucking glove on. Oh, How just fuck fucking you shut got your the glove fuck on? up. You shut the fuck up. You know, I'm going out there with a fucking hand grenade and there's a fucking condom on my hand. <laughs>
0: And it's one of those things that you realize how an ep they are. He realizes he made a huge mistake, one, vouching for this guy Russell, two, bringing him along, and three, letting him handle anything else. He, he probably would have been, but i just letting him steal the car. You know, just you find Seriously. the car. They... It's the
4: easiest job. Like <laughs> why we gave him the what he thought was easier, and he made it <laughs> extremely difficult. <laughs> it was like he waited till the last minute, and he like walked into the dollar store. Oh my grabbed god, the, he did. Grabbed the glove, he absolutely first did. First clubs he seed, grabbed that.
0: He totally forgot. He did this like 30 minutes before he picked them up. Yeah. He went and that, then he <laughs> did that shotgun
4: himself. Like he just sawed off a shotgun himself. Yeah. And didn't understand that you just mm-hmm. shorten the barrel. You don't just oh my saw god. the whole fucking barrel off. of
0: Bit. A sawn-off shotgun is where you turn, basically, a shotgun hunting rifle into more of, like, the, the good old-fashioned uh, racking shotguns. You know, like, the kind that you would use for home defense or if you're in the military or in the police force. And he got a double barrel, which does look cool, but it's very ineffective. Yeah. And it's a terrible weapon. He should have gotten him a, a regular, you know, a pump. Yeah, yeah, a pump shotgun. Because if he did get him the regular one, there's only two shots. Yeah, you know what you I mean. Like re- you, you have be a chance. Quick at, every yeah, old, you could take. You, you, you gotta a know chance. that everybody
4: in this room is going to be carrying, and they're not going to be carrying that in their in their waistband. You know
0: what though? They may not be carrying, and for the reason I say, say that, away. yeah, it's just because you know. They don't you know, they don't wanna start any inner turf war or beef, you know what I mean? Like you're playing cards, someone feels you're getting cheated, someone's got a gun, you know, that could turn into a whole bloody affair there and they probably say, you know, Let's nix that, and before we even have a problem with very it. Very true. So these two guys stroll in. They walk through this this these, this back alley behind like a basically look like a empty strip mall. It was very reminiscent of what's going on right now, and very reminiscent of the time then when things were just closing down. And, you know, people were losing their money. So they go into this game, and they walk in, and man, they piss off those guys. You could just see it in their eyes. Great reactions from everyone in the room who plays these uh, mafiosos. One thing yeah, I noticed: no one's wearing a fucking tracksuit. That was nice to see. I'm wearing. No one was in a leisure as broke, attire.
4: As bad as bad as the economic times are right now for them, they're still wearing their suits.
0: Yes, they're all these dressed nicely, and they all look up, and they're pissed, and they're irritated because right away their first thought is, "Fucking Marky's pulling this shit again." Marky's doing it. I like guess like exactly the thought.
4: Coincidentally, he is upstairs when and it, it starts. So it's almost perfectly timed. Oh,
0: and Ray Liotta's face, when he comes down and opens yep. the door, oh. he knows it too. He goes, I am, f-. he knows it. He goes, I'm fucked. He, you He's could fucked. see, sees it in his face. You can see it. He's done. For he it. comes down, he opens the door, he sees them, and it's just that shock on his face. He's like, what the fuck? And he even tells me, he goes, I hope you guys know what you're doing.
4: <laughs> it's almost as if he really is just trying to convince them out of it because he knows he's a dead man. Oh, if he. If they leave with the on Yeah, like he tries. 100%. He's just trying to get them out of there, you know, and turn them against one another just to save his own ass. Because he knows at this point it does not matter. He could swear on everything in the world yeah. that he had nothing to do with it. They could attach a lie detector to him. They still wouldn't believe him. No. This is why they pull it. This is is why
0: they pull it. And the one person who's the most professional in this is actually Ben Mendelsohn's character. Because he's talked to a couple times by Marky, Ray Liotta's character, when he takes him to the back to actually get the money. And he tells me, you know, you should you know, just get out of here, whatever. He never speaks. Ben Mendelsohn knows that if he opens his mouth, they're going to know he's Australian. It's not going to take long for them to figure out who in town is Australian with that accent. He doesn't open his mouth once. He uses his eyes and he just points the gun. He never says a goddamn thing, which is surprising because he talks most of the time the rest of the movie. He's always running his it's mouth. He's a chatterbox the rest of the time. But he's the most professional of the two of them. You know, Scooter McNary's keeping it together, but I thought for, you know, the first time I saw he's it, I thought, I thought he was going to shoot it. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's on edge. I think he knew that if he, if he pulled the trigger, he's dead too. He's right. He has a hand. He has a grenade yeah. in his hand. It's a grenade. Yeah. He, he pulls the trigger. He, knows he,
4: well, he pulls it. He's got to run. If he like, Not he's got to shoot it and go, and yeah, and hope that it didn't get him at all. But he he's got to get out of there because first of all, he's heavily outnumbered. And he ain't gonna be able to reload that thing again.
0: I mean, the reason there's a barrel on a gun is to get the bullet one first traveling and the stuff traveling, but also to keep it further away <laughs> keep from it the away person from pulling, <laughs> pulling the bullet. <laughs> Jesus Christ, uh, it would have been like those old cartoons with like um, the wild coyote. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, or, like,
4: or the barrel shreds backwards.
0: Yeah, or like you know, they smoke the cigars and like the you know, they light it and the cigar blows up. Up in their face, that's exactly what yeah. that hand oh, cannon yeah. would have done. It would have blown him away, killed everyone around him. It's such a bad decision. But they steal this money and they get away. It's a real tense scene. It's weirdly funny, not intentional. Like the writing and the acting in this is great because this could have been done very comically, you know? This could have turned into like almost an Adam Sandler funny caper, you know what I mean, like a Monty Python type of caper where everything's All these funny little gags because of the stupidity of it, and yet they pull it off so brilliantly the way it's acted and done. this is going to lead us to the second reason you should see this movie, number two. And that is Mark Trapman's beating. So after this whole thing plays out, they bring into town good old Mr. Brad Pitt. He's called in, and he is a part of a crew that is run by Sam Shepard, whose character's name is Dylan. We see him once in the film, beat up Marky the first time. Oh man, so good! And he doesn't Fantastic crack on a press shot. Oh, great! It's a great Fantastic one take yeah. shot.
4: It is such a good one take when oh man, with, with them just yeah, with the ch- the camera staying outside and him <laughs> slamming the door open, he's like, You knock over the card game and he throws them through the window and he's like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> and then he throws them all at the door. And the very few lines Sam Shepherd has is then he just casually looks at his watch and just says, Let's get a beer. Yeah. yeah. And then you hear Marky crying, he's <laughs> saying like Jesus Christ, Gil, yeah. and he's like, Stop crying.
0: <laughs> he just walks
4: in the house. Ah, <laughs> yes. oh, Sam Shepard's perfect uh, camp,
0: yeah. Perfect in that five second f- clip he's yeah, in. Seriously, so good. Marky!
2: What the
1: fuck are you looking at? It? Marky! Mark! Hey, what's going on? Hey! Hey! You're not coming to Cagune! Jesus!
0: Dylan! Dylan, what the fuck? What's this all about? Clearly, the name Dylan holds heavy weight in the town. Anyone who knows him. It, was, it runs in this circle, knows he's not to be messed with. And so all Brad Pitt has to do is say he's with Dylan, and that pretty much gets everyone to shit in their pants. However, I feel like Brad Pitt's actually the batter of the two of them, considering what we see in the movie between oh, yeah. them. Now, so he's sent into town, and he has to talk with Mr. Richard Jenkins. And Mr. Richard Jenkins is basically the go-between between whoever's running the organized crime in this area, which is supposed to be in Boston, because this is based on a book, and all the books that this gentleman writes are set in Boston. However, it's filmed in New Orleans. And the reason I know that is for two. One, I looked it up because after watching the movie, in the scene we just talked about, Marquis' house is up on like stilts. And... I was like, <laughs> no house in the e- on the East Coast is on stilts. You know, not even not even if this was set in Detroit. So I was like, where the fuck did they film this? Because they don't use any Southern accents. So you can tell this is like supposed to be played either in Boston. It's definitely an East Coast city. Could have been Philly, DC, New York, Boston. One of them. One of the big cities. Where they're definitely dealing with this in. I mean, they did a good job of making you know finding areas that kind of looked like the Northeast. But it was that house that they yeah. used for him. I was like, mm mm. I was like, nope. There are no houses on stilts here. I don't know what this is, but something, something's, something's not right. This is definitely not the East Coast.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I actually thought I was in Detroit the whole time.
0: Yeah. I mean, they make it sound like it, but it's not. So Feels like it. So they bring Dylan in, and he has to meet up with Richard Jenkins. And Richard Jenkins is, you know, he, whoever's running the show is not really great. They're, they're pretty much children at this point. It's amazing that they're even running the organization at all. So they, they talk about what they're going to do, and Richard Jenkins says, you know, they want uh, Marky talked to. <laughs> and Brad Pitt is, is telling him, look, there's no need to throw him a beating. It's only going to hurt him. It's not fair to him. Just put him on his misery. We have to kill him. Like, that's just the way it's got to be. Yeah. Whether he did it or not, the way it looks on the street is he needs to go.
2: So where do we go from here? What do you think? It could have be travis He could've decided to do it again. Don't ever think he's dumb enough to do it twice. But I know Marky. He's not that dumb. So I figured some other smart guys knew he did it before. For now, it don't matter. Doesn't? We start with Trapman. We start with good, too. Wait a minute. I'll wait a week if you want. No, uh, I don't understand. Uh, I thought you believed him. My friend, I do. But the games are closed, right? Grants to him. People are losing money. Yeah, fair entrance. They don't like to lose money. We hit Trapman, get things started up again, get people back to doing what they're supposed to be doing. They want to find out if he did it first. It don't make a bit of difference if Trapman did it or someone did it to Trapman. If people think he did it and he's still walking around, you're going to have kids waiting in line knock them fucking games over. They just want you to talk to him. Talk to him. What does that mean? Talk to Trapman and see what he says. Talk to you him. Know, I can't really talk to him. A beaten. How badly do they want a him? Beating? Shove him around a little. You know, but don't hurt him too badly, because they don't want him hurt. Oh, of course you do. You guys, you always do that. Alright. Quit shitting me, alright? Alright. Stop the bullshit. Alright, stopped. But why? What's he gonna do, fold under questioning? If he does, they'll kill him. If he doesn't, they'll figure he's lying like last time, and they'll kill him. Either way, Marky's dead. So why put the poor bastard through a beating? It's a waste of time, not to mention a really
0: unpleasant experience for Marky.
2: Just put him out of his misery, poor bastard.
0: They decide, nope, that's not what we want to do. We want to talk to him first. <laughs> so they had to beat him up. And so the, the two guys they send for this are fantastic. The one guy who yeah. ends up throwing the beating, he was in an 80s TV show. I can't think of his name. I, I think he was in Doogie Howser. I can't remember for the life of me.
4: He looks like he could be in Doogie Howser.
0: <laughs> so they had to now stake outside his house. And the whole time they're sitting there like, oh, he's going to make it hard on us. Like, they know the guy. <laughs> and they, they know they have to throw him a beating. He's and, a talker. And, yeah, they just gonna know he's just... not going to go down. He's not gonna take it no, easy. It's not gonna be easy. And so Marky shows up in his car, and man, I remember thinking when he pulls up and he gets out and he starts walking. I remember thinking, Jesus Christ, this is gonna how much this gotta suck if you, you know, live in this kind of lifestyle and you see two guys sitting in front of house get out of their car until you get into theirs. It's gotta be like, oh fuck. You can't be like excited about what's about to go down. No,
4: no, not at all. Or there need to be consequences and there need to be major change.
0: Get a car, Marky.
3: For what?
1: For what? Get in a fucking car, Marky.
3: Steve, I didn't do nothing.
1: You're gonna get in the car. You know you're gonna get in the car. So get in the fucking car. Barry, open the fucking door. Shh, sh-
3: sh- shoot me! Oh, fuck I'll fucking
1: shoot me! Fuck you, Marky. Get, get in the, the,
3: fuck car, car, get the fucking car now! Get in the fucking car!
0: So. The gentleman who has to throw him the beating, his name is Max Casella, and he was on in The Sopranos, he was in Boric Empire, but he really got his claim to fame in Doogie Howser. He was Doogie Hauser's friend in the show Doogie Howser. That's A strange awesome. way to to circle yeah. back around in life. To throw Ray Liotta beating, which is crazy, because Ray yeah. Liotta is usually the guy who you know in he's the movies the he's the heavy, he's throwing the beating, and in this movie he plays that lovable loser you know he's never hurt anybody you know it's probably why they let him run the games the way they shoot this scene is brutal But, yet, so well done. It's so realistic. As I rewatched it, I was like, fuck, are they really beating up Ray Liotta? Like, it really felt like they were beating him up.
4: Yeah, it's like they're beating
0: him to death. It's crazy. Oh, the rain's coming down. They're beating him up in the exact, I don't know if you noticed, they took him to that little strip mall where the game, he runs his game and beat his ass there. And they pull him out of the car and it's raining and they're shooting this with a high rate of frame camera so that the rain is really crisp. The sound design and the special effects they use, like you know, the in-camera special effects, Oh, man, they, I mean, they beat the tar out of him. <laughs> They're beating the shit out of him. One of their scenes is he punches him in the gut really hard, and he throws up. And I know how they make it happen. Yeah. What happens when, if they want to make someone throw up, what they usually do is they make him take, like, about a good-sized mouthful of soup, some kind of soup. Um, because usually if you get like a, what's like a vegetable soup or something like that, it looks like you're throwing up some of what you've had in your stomach that you've eaten that, that, that day. And so he throws up some vegetable soup. Like He spits it up. And he does it twice. And then, <laughs> so they're beating the shit out of him. He's leaning up against his car. He has just, Dave, whooped his ass. Yeah, just swallowing his own blood. Oh, and so, I mean, they beat him so hard, he's throwing up. Like, that's a beating. I've never, I mean, if you were watching a boxing match or a UFC fight and someone got hit so hard, they threw up, you'd be like, God damn, that's a punch. Poor Mark, he's laying up against the car, bleeding profusely, just, yeah, he's got nothing left. And the way that they made his face swell up that quickly, you know, how they quickly, you know, uh, added the, the the, the makeup effects to him. uh, yeah, so good. So good. So, so good. And their blood effects looked good. A lot of times, you know, people put blood on it and you can tell it looks like blood, but even when they wipe it off, it kind of like goes away. The way that the rain and the blood they had them, it just it mixed so well together. It looked like he was actually bleeding profusely from his face. It does. <laughs> the rain really adds to it. So, well, this guy, Steve, who drove there and wasn't throwing him the beat and was actually holding him, he asked him a question. And Also, Marky turns up and throws up again on him. And I love the fact that they've just beaten this guy to a pulp. He's so bad he's throwing up. He turns and throws up on him. maybe intensity. Maybe not.
4: Yeah, it's like 50-50 chance. <laughs> if it's intentional
0: He proceeds to beat him even further like almost kills him <laughs> he yeah, to he's, kicking, he's him.
4: kicking the shit out of him like oh my god He's kicking him in the gut like even worse this guy's got some internal bleeding and some broken ribs going on definitely
1: uh, Mark you about the kids are you sure you don't know
2: who those kids are? You really sure? I'm sure. I'm sure,
1: Steve. Because I gotta be. I gotta be sure, Marky, and you make me stay out here all night making sure I'm not gonna like it. It's gonna be an awful long night for you, Mark. You bastard! You cocksucker!
2: What do you say, Steve? Shut up! Get the fuck out of here!
0: What? After that scene, Brad Pitts has to meet up with Richard Jenkins again, and Richard Jenkins is bitching about the fact, you know, man, they almost beat Marky to death. Like he's gotten like a whole bunch of broken ribs, missing teeth, and all this other stuff. And (laughs) Brad Pitt goes. I told you it was a bad idea to throw him a beating. I, mean, like, like, I, don't, know, I don't know why you're complaining about this. I said this was not a good idea. We should not have beat. him. we just put him out of his fucking misery. But that whole scene, when you get to see Ray Liotta, who, if you've seen Goodfellas or the movie NARC or almost any movie he's kind of in where he is, always feels like a very, even when he is in Field of Dreams and he plays Shula's Joe Jackson. He, even then, yeah. his, he looks like he could hit you with a bat. Like, whenever you see Ray use usually on screen, he has a very intimidating look to him, just the way his facial structure is. But the way he plays this is such a soft, weak kind of character. You know, I think he gets into this lifestyle because he doesn't do a whole lot. Because when they pull up, they even make a mention, like, this is his house? You know, like, he's not making a ton of money doing these games. No. Not at all. I think he just likes the notoriety that comes with it and that people like him. You know, like he feels like he's pretty safe. And he just loves the lifestyle, Where, it, but it's not paying off for him at all. So to see him in this soft, almost doughy-like role and to take an ass and that he takes is crazy because it's not. you're not used to Ray Liotta being weak. And he plays it so beautifully. I mean, he even cries after the beating. Like, he is crying. Yeah, he is. It's, it's, it's a not
4: easy watch. Big Ray Liotta fan, not easy watch for you.
0: I remember thinking a lot of times in movies we see people get beaten up. You know, we see them get their ass whipped. Well. But when you're a kid, you cry. You know, when you, when you get hurt, you cry. I thought, like, that kind of beating makes sense. I think more grown men will actually cry. You know, we see these movies where people are getting hit with pipes and they keep moving forward. Bullshit. Someone hits you with a pipe. If you don't get killed by it, there's a good chance you're crying because that's a painful fucking thing. Metal hitting you in the face has got to fucking hurt. It's got to make you want to cry. It's got to be that amount of pain that makes your tear ducts just say, fuck it, we're releasing The Highlands. And to see it actually played out in a movie, which makes the beating even more realistic yet harder to watch is to see Ray Liotta laying on the ground, covered in blood running down his face. He's swolled up like he's a fucking squirrel with nuts in his mouth, and he's just gotten done throwing up vegetable beef soup everywhere. You feel bad for him because... This poor schlub has just basically been used as a scapegoat and he really did nothing wrong except for having a dumb idea a long time ago they should have never have done. That one poor decision led to horrific events for this poor motherfucker
4: it really did and you know almost part of when he's crying there you almost wonder if he's just like he's crying because he's he's genuinely telling the truth and they're just not believing him and then the other part is it's like he's almost just thinking about what lies ahead for him
0: yeah i think he thinks he's going to get away with it this time i do i think he thinks that you know what he's going to take a beating he probably knew it was coming you know, he wasn't surprised to see them outside his house. He was just hoping it wasn't going to happen. When he's walking up to his house and they get out of the car and tell him to get in, he's kind of like, fuck. I think he thought he was, like- was going to get whacked. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he knew eventually they, someone was going to come talk to him. He just knew someone was coming to talk to him.
4: I think he knows that these are the guys that they don't send to, do, to whack
0: someone. Yeah. He, well, he was hoping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he was, was really betting on that. I like how he almost acted like a child, too. Like He was like, you know, I do it like you just can't go tell him that you know like you can't tell him that i didn't do this like they, that's, that's not good enough like you have to throw me the beating like i had nothing to do with this like i still have to take a beating and it kind of felt like he was also kind of getting the beating for what he really should have gotten four years ago if he had been thrown that kind of beating four years ago that you know maybe people wouldn't have pulled this this kind of thing because he you know got off so easily and everyone laughed it off and wasn't really all that said about it which they never do say if he had to pay back that
4: money no i think they just made let it slide <laughs> that's uh (laughs) yeah just because they do they talk about how everybody complained you know remember that time when we couldn't have games and stuff and you know it was an inconvenience for them and they were all annoyed because they wanted to make extra money on the side but yeah i think they just they let it slide and you know either half the people didn't believe marky like when he did say it all drunk or and the the powers that be the big guys that did just you know take it as it is let it slide just
0: knowing that this happens again he's done And that's actually a pretty good segue for the third reason you should see this movie.
3: Number three.
0: And that is the two scenes between Brad Pitt and James Gandolfini. They are fantastic. And they are led by James Gandolfini. What ends up happening after they beat Trapman and they had this little meeting where he told them we shouldn't have beat him. They now decided they got to kill him. They're going to they're gonna put Marky out. Marky's going to get put out. They're going to kill this guy Squirrel and either Scooter or they're going to kill Ben's character. They don't really say. They know they're going to kill Squirrel and they're going to kill Marky. But there's the other guy they're going to kill, they haven't really fleshed out yet. Or at least they don't say it on screen. And so Brad explains the killing them softly, why it's called killing them softly. He asked Richard's character, have you ever killed anybody? And he's like, no. He goes, man, they, you know, they get all touchy-feely. They're begging. They're crying for their mom. He goes, I like to kill them soft. I like to kill them from a distance. Too many feelings involved. You ever killed anyone? No. You can get touchy-feely.
2: Touchy-feely? Emotional, not fun. A lot of fuss. They cry. They plead. They beg. They piss themselves. They call for their mothers embarrassing I like to kill him softly
0: from a distance
2: not close enough for feelings don't like feelings don't want to think about them.
0: so he doesn't want to he doesn't want to kill all of them he'll take one or two of them but he wants to give the other job to James canofini's character so they're going to bring him in played by another Mickey so they fly in James and Oh, he plays it beautifully. He comes in, he's got like these permanent sunglasses, but they're like yeah, the that, yellow hunter's tint. It was so... Yeah, it's, he, it's, it's like they, a weird tint. It
4: made his eyeglasses into sunglasses pretty much, kind of.
0: And he is a mess of a person. He shows up, I mean... The, Drunk, depressed. Oh my God, just a prostitute fucking mess. Prostitute-loving. Oh, just a pure fucking disaster.
4: He is. And Brad Pitt calls him out on it instantly. I mean,
0: it happens the first second we saw. We see him get off a plane and the next yeah. thing we know we're at the, either the hotel bar or wherever they're at, they're meeting, they're talking. Yeah. And a, some poor guy brings him a martini, and the first thing out of his mouth, he's like the, he's like Karen. He's like the Ken. <laughs> yeah, he is. He gets in this guy's ass, like, how far did you have to go to get it? And just being a real prick the entire time. So the drink evaporated before it got here.
4: So where'd you have to go for these?
3: Sir? Sure. I said, where did you have to go for these? Out of the building, right? Huh? Would you have to walk a couple blocks, take a cab or something?
1: No, sir. We only have one man on service today, and he's very busy. Are the drinks all right?
3: No, as a matter of fact, they're mostly evaporated by the time you get here. Mickey, yeah, the drink's all right. Bring me another one.
0: Yes, sir. What I loved about it is how the tables have kind of turned, because the first time those two are ever on screen together is in True Romance. When James Gandolfini shows yeah, up, and seriously. he's smoking a bong, he wants to know where Alabama is, and... So to see them in this role was kind of kind of fun. To see you know Brad Pitt's not the the pothead. If the roles reversed. He's the guy who's kind of in charge, and the James Gandolfini's the guy who's uh, addicted to uh, to drugs and alcohol. Even
4: again with you know in the the movie The Mexican with um oh, with yeah. Brad Pitt, yeah. you know running running from James
0: and that pretty much.
4: That's Now the tables have turned big time. <laughs>
0: yeah, isn't, he, isn't James Blake a gay hitman in that one? Yeah,
4: so good. Great movie.
0: So the first scene that they have together, they're in this hotel bar, and they're, they're supposed to be there to discuss the job, what they're going to do, why it has to be done. But we get James drinking, and every time he's not drinking, he's telling the story of how he kind of got in trouble.
3: So they grabbed me down to, to Maryland, to Maryland to on this gun thing. What gun thing? Well, let's go and hunt them for Christ's sake. <laughs> me and this guy. Topper. You know Topper? No. Nice guy. Anywhere, going down to Maryland to hunt geese down the Maryland shore. Then we go down there, and uh, all of a sudden, there's a couple hundred cops all over the place, and I got the shotguns in the trunk. Fucking beautiful, hmm? Fucking shotgun. I just bought the fucking shotgun. I never even used it once. Now, boom, I'm under arrest. Fell into possession. So i am going go to jail for a fucking shotgun I bought in a fucking store to hunt fucking geese with, for Christ's sake? Jesus. Did you bring him a beer?
1: No, sir. You only wanted the one, I thought. What? You only wanted one drink, I thought.
3: I'm drinking his beer. I'm drinking a man's beer on it. I want another beer. one. It's all right. All right, don't have no more. So, yeah, Topper. You're hitting that still pretty hard, aren't you, Mickey? I can handle it. So, Topper, yeah, Topper. He feels responsible, and, you know, he's an old guy. He hasn't been pitching about 30 years. So we figure the shotguns are going to be his. I'm just doing the old man a favor, driving him down there and all. Yeah, but if they don't, I do time. If the shotguns aren't his, I do time. It's that simple.
0: And then his other story turns into if he has to go to to prison, his wife, the last time he went to prison, was going to serve him papers. She kind of was fucking around on him while he was in prison. And he has this great story about it, too, because we kind of know that he fucks around a bit himself. He definitely has some mistresses on the side or whatever. But he doesn't blame his wife for finding comfort in someone else while he's gone for five years or however long he was in there because he knows that he got himself put in there, and it's not the first time. And he even says it's probably not the last time. It's a great moment because Brad Pitt is trying trying to just really stay on target about talking about how they do this yeah, job he's trying to get him to focus and meanwhile james Gandolfini's character is basically having a therapy session yeah he's just he's a fucking train wreck yeah he has no one else to talk to and he needs to basically talk this all out with brad pitt's character yeah he, he's a total train
4: total train wreck and yeah and like you can see it, brad pitt's annoyed and he keeps smiling like he's just like oh my god he's just how long is he gonna go on about this but you can see just how you know generally like he's a depressed alcoholic you know how he's he talks about how the next time she hands him the papers, he's just gonna sign them. You know, he's just gonna be done with it. He's a wash-up. You know, he's he's no longer the hitman he thinks he is. No, yeah. In his head, you know, he thinks he's this big dog can say all that he wants. Where you know, Brad Pitt's controlling it. You know, he's just biting his tongue for a long time before he finally lets loose on him and tells him how it's gotta go.
0: He tells him he goes. You know, if you keep you drinking more, there's gonna be on your ass. I love how quickly James Cipinski goes. I've been drinking since before you came out of your father's cock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it catches Brad Pitt. He's like, all right. And he kind of yeah, steps like, back okay. a bit. Yeah, I'm
4: not gonna tell him what to do yeah. anymore. But I'm gonna give him a pass for a little while longer. He's gotta straighten his fucking act up.
3: You're not having any more of those. Phone uh. your ass if you do. I was drinking before you got out of your father's cock. Don't tell me what I do.
0: They decide there's a twofer and a solo job. And so James Gandolfini says he's going to do the solo job. Three days go by, and he goes back to see him again and this time he has to go see him in his room and he's there with this poor black call girl feel bad for her that she had to be there with him god yeah and once again he's in there and he's talking about how you know he loves prostitutes or whatever did nothing but fucking for three days (laughs) i love even um brad pitt's like i don't like to fuck that much I get fucked out i love he says that and he's so serious about it that's too much fucking for me i get fucked out
3: i've seen every kind of ass there is in this world yeah you've seen it this week You've been here, what, three days? What I hear, you've seen
2: most of the ass in town. I like it. It's like my hobby. Yeah, well, I couldn't fuck like that for three days. i get all fucked out.
0: He's trying to get me to do this fucking job, and he's not doing the goddamn thing. And he's just sitting there drinking and just banging prostitutes. And then yeah, he's like, are you going to do this job? And he's like, no, I can't go out. He just realizes that the guy he was he is no longer that guy. And Brad Pitt is, is kind of disappointed because you get this idea you know, he wanted to bring him in because this guy Mickey supposed to be this big time star hitman and he's basically this washed up drunk loser who just basically likes to lose himself in the vices that he gets himself into. Yeah, you kind of get the feeling that at one point in time uh, Brad Pitt's character looked up
4: to him. Or like was his like under under his wing, like learning the ropes of you know becoming a hitman, and now that now he's watching you know his his hero from before just. Be a total wash up that he has is lo- slowly losing all
0: respect for. I don't think even James tried to, to in a story talk about some girl named Sunny, this Jewish girl, Jewish hooker down in Florida somewhere, It's some he's job they were together. He's obsessed with her, and he thinks that Brad Pitts fucked her. He thought that they fucked her while they were down yeah. there together, and he's like, "I was there three days. You're with the whole three days." He goes when did, when would this have happened? And then he makes a mention of it. You know, he goes, "I know that when she's down there, when she's with you, she's with you." And he goes, "I didn't fuck her." He goes, "I didn't mean you." I'm, You know, I mean other men. You could tell that James's character, one, knows that Brad Pitt's an attractive man without saying it and that he's a little bit uh, jealous of that. You know, he definitely feels uh, lesser because he knows that if given the choice between Brad Pitt and him, people are going to pick Brad Pitt. That's yeah. a fact. You know what I
4: mean? <laughs> yeah, he's no—he's not Tony Soprano.
0: And even though the two of them don't look like people, we know them as we see them as. In that, he looks terrible. He—he he looks like Tony, the beginning of the Sopranos, where he's just all you know, disheveled in the robe and just a big sweaty fucking mess. Yeah, his teeth are all nasty. Ugh. And even, I mean, Brad Pitt's got the hair slicked back. He looks like a thug version of Brad Pitt. He just does. You know, this is Brad Pitt. If Brad Pitt didn't get into acting, he got into the meth business in Missouri. Kind of Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah. He was the heavy in Missouri. You know, they make this mention of it. And you could tell right away that James is so insecure. He is just falling apart. And basically, at that point, Brad's like, you know, fuck it. So they basically write him off. I thought that he was going to have him whacked, but he didn't. I thought they he was going to you know, take him out. Instead, they do something else where basically in this scene... We see a real dark side to James's character when he threatens the black prostitute, who's basically, you know, he's talking shit about yeah. it to her, and she's talking shit back to him, and you know, not taking it, going one for one. Yeah, and then he takes it real dark. Yeah, he threatens like, you know, one day might get killed for this mouth, and yeah, he,
4: get cut up like, uh, yeah, like bad. And even Brad Pitt is like, whoa, like, but Brad Pitt like, realizes that this is his
0: opportunity.
3: Do you want a tip, honey? I'll give you a tip. You put the condom on with your mouth, and you stop acting like your anus is a national treasure. You're a fucking hooker, for Christ's sake. Fuck you. Whoa. Let me tell you something, honey. One day, one old bastard that you milked, he's gonna carve you up talking like that. Now, how would you like that?
2: Jesus, I don't know. You think I'd come?
3: If you could, maybe, you would. But I'm thinking no.
0: Fuck you. In an off-screen scene, he probably sends a prostitute he knows who's a bit mouthy, but who can take a punch, I guess, which is weird to fucking say and (laughs) think. But she gets in a a fight with uh, James off-screen, and he gets arrested because he's breaking parole. So he's able to bust him without having to be a part of it.
4: Yeah, just take him out of the equation.
0: The two scenes together, James Gandolfini is fantastic, and he eats up the scene. Oh, he just eats it up. Great farewell film
4: yeah i I remember first seeing this after him passing and just being so sad watching this even though we got a couple more movies to me this is the one that hits the hardest after we lost james watching this it it still hits hard watching it knowing that like Less than
0: right after filming this, 2013, he passed away. Kind of your Sopranos fan. It feels like that where Tony could have gone if his life is different. You know, it could have yeah. if he hadn't got the therapy and could've, this and that. He could have gone this yep. way and fallen fallen off could've the wagon. Been very bad. But he's so good in the scenes. Like he really, I mean, you feel for him. Like when he's talking about his wife and he's talking about you know her signing the papers, you see the sadness in his eyes. And then the sadness in his eyes when he's talking about that Sonny and how she isn't true to him. Like there's a deep sadness in his. His eyes and in his face and the whole time you're on screen like we we turn into brad pitt we're sitting there listening to everything he's saying we're sucked into his story you do yeah you just get absorbed into him yeah and he's an amazing storyteller as he's doing the scene fantastic absolutely so he doesn't do any of the hits and that's going to lead us to the fourth reason why you should watch this movie number four Now, before we tell you what the fourth reason is, we're going to have to give a few spoilers away. It's the only way we can sometimes do them. So once again, we're going to do what we always do. We're going to give you a five-second chance to pause this, go watch the movie, and then rejoin us and listen to the rest of this. Or if you feel like it, go ahead and listen to the rest of this, go back and watch the movie, see if we're close to what we're talking about or if we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. But here you go in five, four, three, two, one. And the fourth reason you should watch this movie is Mark Trapman's death scene in the scene where he talks to Richard Jenkins after the whole James Gandolfini thing they realize they do have to kill Mark that there's just no other way around and finally Richard Jenkins' character goes oh it finally dawns on him (laughs) and it's funny because Richard Jenkins says that the people such a
4: jackass (laughs)
0: well it's funny because the people he says he's working for he has to literally hold their hand and now here's fucking Brad Pitt having to hold his hand his hand he's so annoyed
4: he's like can you not realize this I'm doing the same with you I've been doing it since we first started talking
0: but Richard Jenkins plays it beautifully fantastic so they have to kill he's gonna kill Marky it's an amazingly shot scene oh it's the best scene in the movie and just the way that they decided to film it was just gorgeous it was a great way to film it just like the beating that they filmed those two scenes the way they filmed them are fantastic
4: yeah yeah it was the first time they used um, Kodak 500T 5230 film stock, which the notable films after this that use that are Out of the Furnace and Foxcatcher, which kind of lends to they both lend to that same grittiness that we get like in this film.
0: Yeah, oh, it just visually looked great. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a, it's a 35 millimeter yeah. film stock. So when they sh- roll up on him, they eventually wait for him to come out of some place. He is beating, <laughs> poor guy. He's beaten to death. I'm surprised he doesn't have anyone to drive. Him, but he's driving himself.
4: Seriously, he's probably all jacked up on painkillers, he can barely feel his face at all.
0: He's just uh, poor sap. The guy who threw him through the window in the Dylan scene, and who's in another great Gil. scene that we, we won't <laughs> oh get God. into, so you can go see it. But this is a great scene
4: involving <laughs> a car and an explosion. And was not, fantastic. Not, not the most typical car explosion way that you see on most films.
0: Oh, fantastic scene! He and the cheap bastard, he tries to take a dot. Well, there's two cheap bastards in the movie. <laughs> Uh, Brad Pitt's character is waiting in a coffee yeah. shop across the street, waiting for him to move to Gee, go. Fuck. Gil's there to drive him, and they see him move and they go. And Brad Pitt's already paid for the bill, but he puts only a dollar down for the tip. I was like, "Geez, that's cheap." The like, Gil guy takes it, like how? F- and then he tells, obviously, he, he goes, tells, to... him, tells him, puts it back, but uh, come on, the, what the fuck?
4: Yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's a great scene though. It's so good. Like when he catches them stealing, they're both, they're cheap, both cheap bastards. Yep. They're they're uh, the extra reservoir dogs. They they were more of the (laughs) Duchemin's crew.
0: So they they get in their car, and Brad Pitt's character is in the backseat. And he likes to kill him from a distance. So they're going to slowly pull up to him at a light. And it's pouring rain out again. They pull up to him at the light, and he drops the window. And then it goes into this really slow motion, like super slow-mo uh, scene for where he actually t- takes him out and uh, just the way they shoot it the way they shoot the gun firing and and the you know the slide coming back and injecting the bullet and the bullet coming out and going through the window and hitting mark the first time and each bullet goes slowly through and you can see it slowly go through the window it's cracking everything is in this beautifully super slow motion highlighted by the rain and it's just amazingly done it was such an amazing shot But then leads to kind of going into even more slow motion where the car then goes forward. Because obviously once he's dead, his foot comes off the brake and it rolls into the intersection. And he's hit twice and the car is spun. And the second time he's hit, he's hit head on. And his dead body goes forward and his head hits against the window. It's an amazingly beautifully shot action sequence. And I thought it was such a great nod to do it slowly.
4: Yeah, so good. It was
0: almost as if it's the one kill in the movie where they gave the guy who they did kill a bit of you know, it was like a nice send-off. If there's such a thing in in, in a murder.
4: Yeah, no, I agree. They sent him off softly.
0: (laughs) They, They did. You know the one thing I'm glad, I'm glad they didn't play that song though. I'm glad they didn't play the Fuji song or it would not have worked well.
4: Again, the soundtrack for this is so good. It's, I forgot what song they used for uh, his death scene, but I, the use of every song in this film fits perfectly. They did a fantastic job of it. I, rewatching it, that was like one of my biggest things. I was like, wow, this soundtrack is fucking perfect. And it's kind of offbeat, like especially when they play more of the old, like real old songs. We're talking songs from like the 40s and 50s. When they play them, they just they fit so so well. It almost gives you that, I don't know, just weird nostalgic vibe of gangster films where this takes place, you know, in 2008. It's so good.
0: It did give you a bit of a Scorsese vibe yeah, with the soundtrack. It did. You know, this is definitely a gangster-type film all unto itself. It didn't feel like a Scorsese movie. It doesn't feel like a Tarantino movie. It feels like Andrew Dominic. It feels like his movie. You know, like it's his yeah, own it's thing. His, he's he's playing homage to others, but yeah, it's a very yeah. original
4: voice. His original version of a gangster film, and it's so good. Man, we haven't had enough from him, and hopefully next year we're supposed to be getting another film out of him. He did do... Two episodes, two of the great episodes of the amazing Mindhunter series of season two. But he hasn't done anything. He hasn't done a full-length film since this movie.
0: You know, thinking back on it now, that you said it because I realize he now worked with David Finchner, it did have a bit of a David Finchner feel. A, a yeah, the tad, darkness you know? to it. yeah. yeah. The the way that the the beating and this slow motion of this the shot. slow motion
4: shots yeah definitely very Fincher.
0: Yeah, I think he shot him four or five times. I think it was like five or six times he shoots him. Yeah, he unloads that clip. Yeah, and if you do it in, in real time, it's bang 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 bang. cargo's goes in the intersection, hits by two trucks, and that's it. Which can work, but the way they did it here, the way they they slowed it, and just the reactions you get, and the way it was played out was just it was just beautiful. It really was well done well-acted, well-designed. Even the special effects of, you know, watching the bullet come through the window, go through, like, his hand, through his body. It was just fantastic. I really loved it. It's such a cool fucking scene. And one that we I cannot remember seeing in any other gangster film. I don't remember another slow motion death, you know, hit job in any other gangster film that I can recall.
4: Same here. The only other person that really does a slow motion death scene is uh, that I'm popping right out of my head is uh, the shots of Bruce Wayne's father and mother being killed in uh, Batman versus Superman.
0: Some of those are slowed down, but you know, this one was like from every angle, like we were in every millisecond of pulling up the trigger to Every mechanism of the gun, from the slide going back, to the bullet coming out, to the casing being ejected, to going through the window, to going into the body, like, it was really well done. It was almost as if you're doing a slow diagram of how to shoot somebody.
4: And then even, like, and with Brad Pitt's face just
0: staying the same the whole time, it's so good. As great a scene as that is, it then leads to the fifth and final reason we believe you should watch this movie.
3: Number five.
0: Again, it's spoiler-filled, but I already gave you that heads up, so, hey, if you're still with us, buckle up. The fifth reason is the final hits so as we said in the scene about with james Gandolfini, he was scheduled to do two or one of the hits the other two hits are squirrel who is the mastermind and Either Scooter McNary's character or Ben Mendelsohn. Now, Ben Mendelsohn was just arrested for his character, not the actual actor. I apologize. I don't want you to think that Ben Mendelsohn was arrested as we're talking this podcast. Ben Mendelsohn's character gets arrested for the heroin he decides to store in a locker in a bus station. So, yeah. I mean, what what did you expect? The guy got dishwashing gloves and a Shano shotgun.
4: Would, did you expect uh, the rest of his life was going to go very well? <laughs> and, and, no. like no. He doesn't even know that he's in there for... A full blown setup. They've been watching him come to this like it's like a bus station locker. They've been watching him come to that bus station locker for a while, and which makes me not understand why he hasn't. He you know he's been he's been taking brick out by brick out at a time and going with it. Like he's using this just as his like transfer hub for some reason. But it was just kind of just really. Again, it adds to the fact that he's loaded up on drugs the whole time. Just a bad decision. You're doing it in an extremely public place where that bus station has more. The cops to patron ratio in there is 90% cops, 10% patrons, and employees. Well, he shows up high. Yeah, he's he's barely able to stay awake. No. He's nodding out the whole time. He even starts nodding out after he's being cuffed. He bangs his head against
0: the yeah. wall. I feel that actually he was given up. I think that Gil through Brad Pitt's character, gave him up to put him into prison. I feel that that's how they yeah. got rid of him. I feel like because he was associated with Gil, and he was kind of just brought on for the job, and he's just an idiot. You know, he was just alone. I think he gets somewhat of a pass. I think he just gets sent back to prison, and maybe things will get taken care of him in prison. But I feel like he was set up on that entire thing because there's no other reason to even know he's doing any of this. You know, like yeah. there's there's a chance that it could have happened off screen just for that, being you know, stupid other than that, the only I feel like they set him up to get him arrested and get him taken out of the picture. You know, maybe because he was with Gil and maybe he gets a little maybe Gil vouch for him that he's just an idiot and, you know, got
4: in over his head kind of thing. Or maybe even Johnny threw him under the bus trying to protect himself and uh to protect him and uh scoots character you know just getting rid of russell could have i mean
0: that's a possibility but you gotta remember as, as we found out it's like it's like these guys want to get caught when he talks about the fact that he drove down to florida with gill and the whole time down he's telling him about what he fucking did so he's just fucking stupid you know what i mean yeah. like he's just fucking stupid so the two guys that now he's gonna whack is uh he's gonna whack for sure squirrel we know that for a fact and he shows up at a bar And what a great little scene. He pulls up in this street to go to a bar that he's trying to find Scooter McNary's character at. And he's going to basically put the fright of God into him and get him to help him find where Squirrel's going to be that night. As he's getting out of the car, in the background, out of focus, on the left side of the street is this black gentleman who is just straight up talking shit to somebody. In the middle of the street, on, looks like on a bicycle. And he's just telling them, like, this is my fucking block. What are you going to do, But Get the fuck up. He's just talking shit. All of a sudden, the guy on the bicycle shows him what he's going to do. He opens shoots him three times. As Brad Pitt just walks across just the street. This is all shit. happening doesn't in the background. Doesn't react. Mm-mm, doesn't react. No one does anything. He just goes into the bar. Yep. That's <laughs> so good. It's <laughs> like, man, this is
4: crazy. And at first, you think that he's yelling at Brad Pitt. And you're like, oh, he's yelling at the wrong person right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. And then, then you hear the gunshots. So good. So basically, he threatened Scooter to tell him where Squirrel is. I've never seen you in here before. I know you. If you guys know me, I've never been here
2: before in my life. I was looking for you. The guy told me you come in here a lot around this time of the day, so I came in. Simple. Who's the guy? The guy? Friend. Friend of yours, actually. Who was the friend? A friend. Your friends are worried about you, Frankie. They think you need somebody around, knows about things, advise you, teach you how to cover your ass. Yeah, yeah. See, it's not so much what you've been doing. It's what guys think you've been doing. And that's what you gotta look out for. And when it happens, you gotta be prepared to do something. Yeah. So where's he gonna be tomorrow night? Oh. Johnny Amato, tomorrow night, where's he gonna be?
1: <clears throat> I, I, I don't know.
2: Mike? You gotta keep in mind what I told you. Your friends are worried about you. It's your friends that wanna see you get a second chance. You know what I mean? And it's your friends that wanna know where Squirrel's gonna be. Yeah, I don't know who the fuck you are. Very few guys do. Oh, Dylan, maybe. Yeah, Dylan knows me. want me to call Dylan for you so you can talk to Dylan
0: and see who I am? Scooter McNary and both Ben Mendelsohn, they play these fucking idiots. Like, there's a reason crime doesn't usually pay. Because a lot of people who get into it are dumb as fuck. They're dumb as a sack of fucking hammers. They just really are. And the two guys in this movie, Scooter and Ben... Play dumb as fucking hammers, crooks. The reason they went to jail the first time is because they're fucking dumb as fucking hammers. The reason they're going back, or worse, is because they're dumb as fucking hammers. They pull off this job and they kind of get away with it for, for a couple of weeks, maybe even months, depending on how the timeline of this movie really moves. It's hard to tell given, is it is it a couple of weeks from the time of the job to a month, or is it a cup, over a couple of months, given the context with which we hear the news clips going sometimes playing in the background. They could have gotten away. After they they pull this job off and poor Markie takes the beating of a lifetime. The next time we see these two, uh, fuckface, face goat fucker is just getting back from fucking Florida. Smelling a dog shit, looking terrible. But he has now sold the dogs. He's got money and he's buying heroin because he wants to now be a big time drug dealer. Meantime, Scooter McNary's character has bought a car. He's got, like, he's got, like, a haircut. He's got his hair slicked back. Like, he's looking a little bit nicer. A new
4: leather jacket and a hoodie.
0: They could have fucking skipped town. Just get the fuck out of there. But they don't. Should have fucking skipped town. They should have. Exactly. They stay there. They're fucking stupid. So, eventually, he catches up with them, and Brad Pitt catches up with them, and they go to find Mr. Squirrel, and they get out to his apartment where his uh, mistress is going to be. You know, they drive out there, and... They're sitting there waiting for him, and then you know a car drives by, and he goes, "Is that his car?" And just the way Scooter reacts, goes, "I'm not sure." He goes, "Yeah, you are." Like he knows it's him. Yeah, he
4: is so annoyed and just fed up with dealing with him bouncing around. You know, he's he's made this pretty simple problem for scoot, Scooter easy to handle. He he tells it to him very blatantly. Can you do the one thing, or can you do the other thing? And he knows what he's implying by that. And it, if he can't really. Get past that question of him trying to get you to give Squirrel up or die. And he's asking you which one's easier for you to do. Just at this point, he's like, shut the fuck up and start listening to him. He's getting he's so annoyed with <laughs> how long. He, he's fed up because he's this poor hitman has gone from dealing with Richard Jenkins, who doesn't want to listen. Then dealing with James Gandolfini, who's drunk and just doesn't shut the fuck up. And now he's dealing with Scoot. Who just makes him repeat himself over and over and over again.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's basically telling him, hey, someone's dying. Either you're telling me where Squirrel is so I can kill him tonight, or I'm going to go find Squirrel and ask him where you're going to be tomorrow night. Exactly. <laughs> That's and a and he's,
4: like, he's like, do you think Squirrel would have this big of a problem talking about you? And he's like, I don't know. It's like... What? Yes, you do know. You know that scroll would flip on you in a second.
0: Ah, oh, Scooter plays such a great fuck-up. He really he does. He really
4: is. Because the second he, he's got tears welling up in his eyes, the second they meet, once he asks him, once he says, I've been watching, I know
0: you come here a lot. Well, actually, once he puts, or even when he says Dylan, when he says the name Dylan, yeah. he goes, you know, yeah, because he goes, I, I've never seen you, Ryan. He goes, you know, Dylan knows me. And when he says Dylan knows him, it, the, he shits his pants. You know he does. His pants oh, fill yeah. up with, do, with crap and his eyes well up with tears. He's like, oh, I'm fucked. So they show up at Mr. Uh, Squirrel's uh, mistress's apartment. And Mr. Brad Pitt gets out with the shot, beautiful shotgun—not a sawn-off shotgun, an actual shotgun. Yeah, real. One. This is a
4: big boy shotgun. <laughs> this this isn't one that he did not get this uh, from the no. Mendelssohn's character.
0: You know, he waits, and it's a great little scene. Poor Mr. Squirrel comes walking out, and then bam! Shoots him through the window of his car, drops him on the side. Walks up behind him, and it's such a great scene because he's got, you know, he's just bleeding all over the place. And he's trying, and he sees him and he starts to cry because he knows, he knows the jig is up. He's like, Fuck, it's done. This is such a great film because the human emotions are so real. This isn't over the top, tough guys talking shit, you know. Last week, the King of New York. And when Jimmy gets shot, obviously by David Cruz's character, it's a different thing. He's a full-on gangster, badass. You know, we we described that in that episode, why he did that. This isn't the same guys. These are not guys who are in the mob. These are just guys who circle the outside, try to pick up their scraps, or know these people, but really aren't that well entrenched and are just a bunch of fuck-ups. And they think they have, you know, this... There's this golden goose, this great opportunity to to put themselves in a better position they're in, not to become rich. Like, the price that's on their head and what ends up happening to them is not worth what, you know, they went through to get their money. So there's Johnny, the squirrel, laying there, bleeding, crawling away, crying, and then, bam, takes him out. <sighs> <laughs> they drive out of there like a bat out of fucking hell. Scooter McNary is adrenaline and fear is so high. He's driving at 100 miles an hour. He can't slow down. Yeah. So finally, we we get to the parking lot in Primrose that he says, which is a place in Massachusetts outside of Boston. They're going to get his car. And so they pull in and Brad Pitt's been driving. And, you know, he's explaining to Scooter's like, all right, so what do you do? And Scooter's going through the whole thing. I wipe down the car. I get rid of the car. do all this stuff. You're not going to forget. Not going to forget. Brad Pitt gets out, Scooter slides over, asks him one more time, and then all of a sudden Brad Pitt leans in with a revolver and bang, 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 just blows him away.
2: You know what you got to do, right?
1: Sure. I go down the way my car is, I leave this one, and I go home. Just leave it? Christ, I wipe it down.
2: You're going to be all right and everything. Yeah, I'm going to be fucking fine. Where's your car parked again?
1: My sakes! It's 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 in a lot down in Brownwood.
2: Okay, just making sure. Sometimes guys forget. I fucking got it. Okay, you gonna remember now?
1: I know, I know. I dump the fucking car, and I don't go too fast, and I wear my fucking seatbelt. <laughs>
0: When I first saw the movie, I actually thought he was going to let Scooter go. Same. I really did. Same. Like, I was a part of me who was like, because, you know, like he like he said, he doesn't like He, he feels likes to kill him, him. softly yep. from, from a distance. So, mm-hmm. the two people he'd already killed in the film, being Ray Liotta's character and now Squirrel, he did it from a distance. He didn't get close, so now he's he been riding Squirrel. Even Squirrel, he
4: had to come in for the second to put him down. So, you know that right there, he didn't want to have to, you know, cross the street and come up behind him and give him that second shot to the back of the head that just, but again, Amazing special effects blows the back of his head open like a, a freaking watermelon.
2: Yeah,
0: oh, absolutely. But what I do think is when he did say he didn't like, you know, he doesn't like the touchy feely thing when he was telling Richard Jenkins about it. What he does is, is he kind of sets Scooter's character at ease and even us at ease because he doesn't like the begging and the crying and all that stuff. And so he doesn't allow for that. Basically, he's having a conversation. All right, you gonna do this? Like you're, 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 you're in the clear kind of thing. And we think, all right, all he's got to do is driveway. This dude is lucky as shit. And then, you know, we should have seen it coming, but we didn't. Because we kind of got set up for it. We kind of got set up, you know, that he wasn't going to kill someone up close and personal because he doesn't like it. And yet he does it. And he blows them away. And they have a great little scene at the end when they're, I forget what music is playing. But where they both show Johnny and him getting toe tags on and having their bodies pushed into the lockers at the morgue. What a great scene. Good. So good. You know, this business is a business of relationships.
2: Yeah. And everyone loved Marky. You are a cynical bastard, you know that? To reclaim the American
1: dream and reaffirm that fundamental truth that out of many we are one.
2: You hear that line? line's for you. Don't make me laugh. We're one people. It's a myth created by Thomas Jefferson. Oh, now you never go with Jefferson, huh? My friend Jefferson's an American saint because he wrote the words, all men are created equal. Words he clearly didn't believe since he allowed his own children to live in slavery. He's a rich wine snob who's sick of paying taxes to the Brits. So, yeah, he wrote some lovely words and aroused the rabble, and they went out and died for those words. Well, he sat back and drank his wine and fucked his slave girl. This guy wants to tell me we're living in a community. Don't make me laugh. I'm living in America, and in America, you're on your own. America's not a country, it's just a business. Now, fucking pay me. It's
3: time to make some lists.
0: This week for our movie genre top five list, we're doing our top five favorite book adaptations. And as I kind of alluded to earlier, Killing Them Softly is actually adapted from a book from 1974 by George V. Higgins called Coogan's Trade. We have decided to put together a list of our five favorite movies that were book adaptations. Now, the amount of movies out there is unfrickin' believable. There's so many of them. Huge. (laughs) Never ending. Since it is an even week, and I am even keel. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I will lead this off. Matt will then close this part out. He'll lead off our next one. I'll close out the thing. You know the drill. This isn't the first time you've heard this, or maybe it is. And if it is, thank you. Here are my five favorite book adaptations, and I will start with number five being *The Silence of the Lambs* from Thomas Harris's 1988 novel. Good the Academy Award-winning *Silence of the Lambs*. I love *Silence of the Lambs*. It's a fantastic book. Fantastic book, but an amazing movie, and it really sparked a bunch of great uh, sequels. I like the prequel. Uh, Hannibal wasn't bad, but the TV show Hannibal, for those of you, if you haven't had a chance to see, it's now on Netflix and was on Hulu for a while on Amazon Prime, but it's an amazing, amazing uh, retelling of the Hannibal story from the time of prequel, which had Ed Norton's character, and it basically centers on Ed Norton's character in that movie, and goes all the way up until just about where Clarice comes in, in The Silence of the Lambs. Love Silence of the Lambs. Fantastic movie. So good. Classic. Classic. Beautiful, yes. My number four is from a Stephen King novel, and it's not the first time you're going to hear me say it, but it's The Shawshank Redemption. I love Shawshank Redemption. It was directed by Frank Darabont. It uh, came out in 1982, part of a novella, so there wasn't just one story. We've talked about it before when um Uh, prison movies back on Brawl and Cell Block 99. And it was one, it was my number one. I think it's been my number one in other things as well, but it is a fantastic movie. It's a classic. It is a modern day classic. It's one of those movies that you should have seen. If you haven't seen, you've heard about. So if you get an opportunity, you have to check out Shawshank Redemption, one of his finest uh, works of literature and a phenomenal, phenomenal movie. My number three stars actually are lead from this movie, and that is Fight Club. Fight Club is actually a book from Chuck uh, Falahniuk, and I've actually read it, and it's fantastic, fantastic book. The movie and the book are fantastic. Uh, They really do go well together. Yeah, they do. I mean, if you like David Finchner and you like Brad Pitt, you will love this movie, and you'll love the book as well. So give them both a try. It's hard to believe that people haven't seen this i think we talked about it uh, recently how fight club is the or was the male equivalent of steel magnolias it was that male movie that movie that all men could kind of associate with at least through the 90s and the 2000s that may have changed now as we have moved on and maybe progressed a bit but who knows i'm sure through the me too movement and the pushback against uh <laughs> toxic masculinity fight club may not still hold true but at least for a while it was that movie that all men kind of uh, felt like they had to see. It was like a, a coming-of-age story for men. My number two is one of my favorite books, and it played so well as a movie. I was always wondering how it was going to, but it is Brett Easton Ellis' 1991 novel, American Psycho.
4: Great. I Classic. love
0: the movie. I love the book. They were able to take... There are chapters in this book where he specifically just talks about the record that came out. He has, a, I thing of three sections. He talks about a Phil Collins album. He talks about a Whitney Houston album. And he talks about a Huey Lewis and the News album. They're just simple chapters where he actually goes through, almost like he's giving you a review of his <laughs> albums. And the way they were able to parlay that into the movie dialogue. was fantastic. was fantastic. Oh, it's my first real... Uh, role where I got to know Christian Bale, and it's one of my favorites yeah. of his. I, he's so good in this. with Willem Dafoe and Jared Leto. It's such a great, great movie, and an amazing book. The two of them are fantastic. I love them both. So good. Oh, so good. So, I mean, you don't even know it's him. Josh Lucas, like these yeah, Reese Like There's so tons, many people in it. So many yeah. people.
4: Yeah, it's ridiculous. This
0: will definitely get covered. I can promise you that. 100%. And now uh, that will lead me to... My favorite, and I love the book. It's one of my favorites. Edges over American Psycho, and I saw the movie first and then read the book. And it's the one of the times that I started to realize that's how I'm going to do it from now on because it led to a voice for the characters. My favorite is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. The movie was directed by Miloš Foreman. nice, and it was written by Ken Kenzie. It's so good with Jack Nicholson in it. It's a fantastic, fantastic. Fantastic uh, movie and an even better book, and I didn't think that was going to be possible, but it really was. So many great uh, lines in this, so many great uh, moments in it. Um, Jack Nicholson is fucking superb, superb in this film, and it has one of the greatest unintentional villains of all time, Nurse Ratchet. I hate. Nurse Ratchet. It was one of the first movies where I actually felt a visceral hatred towards a character in a movie, and it was Nurse Ratchet. I fucking hated her. Hate her to this day. The things that happened during the movie later on. I wish she had died. I hate her that fucking much. But it's a fantastic, fantastic movie. Watch the movie first, then read the book so you can use Jack Nicholson as a McMurphy. You, You hear his voice as you read the book. It's fantastic. Those are my top five. So I will now pass it on to Matt as I'm interested to see the top five movies he likes that were book adaptations.
4: Yeah, this is awesome. We actually did not have a single one-line up here, which is really crazy because there is such a huge amount. Again, oh, my God. Like, it's unbelievable. Every year, there's <clears throat> d- d- at least ten or more just in the U.S. book ad- adaptations that happen.
0: Well, when I did a Google search, I was surprised how many movies I didn't realize were book yeah. adaptations.
4: Yeah, it's that's funny. You know, it, it, it's it's not an easy list, that's for sure. Because but yeah, mine starts right off with a, a more recent adaptation. It's another David Fincher uh, film, uh, like you talking about Fight Club, but is Gone Girl with Gillian Flynn's book being adapted for Gone Girl. It is fantastic. I, I love Gone Girl the book it was a really good movie uh, the movie is fantastic it did a great job of it you know she did assist with writing on it um and it is just so 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 good you know for a, a book to come out and then two years later the a full movie to come out that just shows how fast the turnaround is like that means you got something that's like a gem right here if if it's being purchased that quickly you know that you know they obviously see the value in the story that you wrote.
0: Give ben Affleck credit because he was fantastic.
4: Oh yeah, he did. Oh yeah. He was great in the He, oh, he yeah. was, he was, this he was film. good. Yeah, he was perfectly cast as playing. So this. was Doogie Hauser. So yeah, yeah, man. Uh, great It's a Doogie so, Hauser episode. So yeah. so such so, an out of the box role for him, like fully out of the box role. He is so good in it. He's creepy. It's fantastic. Uh yeah, and again, they didn't get much recognition. I think it maybe was nominated for adapted screenplay award, but outside of that, I think Roseman Pike was nominated for best actress, but outside of that, I think that's really it. I don't know. I would have to look it. And it's back. one
0: of those great twists. Yeah, movies with fantastic. twists in it. Like yeah, you don't see it coming. But
4: that will bring me to my number 4, and this I actually feel like the film is far superior than the book. I've loved both, but is Blade Runner. Originally adapted from uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sleep? Sleep from Philip K. Dick. That's a fucking weird name, but that's
0: his name. There must be more than one Philip Dick. We had to get the yeah, Philip he really K, had K, in and K, K in there to make sure we know. He had to throw the K in there. He's like, don't, I don't want to get okay mixed Dick.
4: up with uh, that, that other Philip Dick. He's an asshole. Yeah.
0: Philip R. Dick's a piece of shit. but he Philip a, K. Dick?
4: He's a real shitbag writer. I know, ironically. It's probably his brother. But yeah, Blade Runner is fantastic, amazing adaptation of the book. Uh it's one of my favorite really Scott films. Honestly, it, I do I think the film does. Takes so much of the book and just visualizing it that way, it just makes it even better. And backwards and forwards, you can read the book and watch the movie or read the book after and watch the movie and just gain so much more perspective. And it's just amazing. Couldn't agree more. That will bring me to my number 3 being The adaptation of Heart of Darkness with Apocalypse Now. It is a loose adaptation of the Joseph Korad book, but it is fantastic. It is one of my favorite Coppola films. It's Coppola full on cocaine. He went nuts for this. Look up the pictures. Find out about how crazy he was when he made Apocalypse Now, a.k.a. Heart of Darkness. He was Coppola on cocaine during this. He was full beard, blowing lines of coke. Phone scenes with Brando, and it is just fantastic. I, I love it.
0: went full Dennis Hopper in this. He, he really <laughs> in did. In the movie. Yeah, he it's, did. it's amazing. It's my favorite Vietnam War movie. It is. It, I fucking love Apocalypse Now. It's so good. It's so
4: good. It's always a real tough battle between, but they are such different Vietnam films between this and Full Metal Jacket. They're both like-
0: I, I agree with you. I mean, if you look at the three big ones that you think about, Apocalypse, Platoon, and Full Metal- yeah. Three great movies. None of them are the same. They're completely Completely different tellings of the story. Yep.
4: Yeah, like so different. Like you know, one's more of like as like a, a huge two act with you know the first just showing the life of boot camp and then the second half showing the life in war and you know the progression of a character through this. Where this is like just a dive in. Darkness. Psyche. That's why I yeah. say into the heart of yeah. darkness. Like like the really psyche is. of this crazy man that's going to go off on this one-man mission to take down this guy that sees him as himself as a god now. And it's crazy. A fantastic performance. It's, it's my from favorite everyone.
0: performance from Marlon Brando. So good. I know some people say The guy Godfather. This, this movie. Is great. Yeah. He is unreal.
4: I think I have to agree with you with that. He is insane. It is yeah, absolutely fantastic. But that will bring me to a film. That is not liked by the writer of the book. pairs with one of the authors that you also did. is Mr. Stephen King. He does not like The Shining from Stanley Kubrick. That's why it's called Stanley Kubrick's Shining. It's not called Stephen Uh, King's Shining. I know, but I love The Shining. So good. Kubrick's version is better than Stephen King's. And finally, he's finally came around it took him a very very long time to come around and accept stanley's version of it with dr sleep coming in and him kind of getting to add in and merge kubrick's version because obviously that's what he knows cinema moviegoers are used to nobody watched the tv movie of it if he did please if you watch that and you didn't watch kubrick shining Fuck off. Go watch
0: Kubrick *Shining* right now. It's one of my favorite horror films. It is. It's a mental horror film. It fucked me up as a kid. I was it freaked me out. I love it. Jack Nicholson is phenomenal. Like that yeah. and the *One Flew the Cuckoo's Nest* are two of his finest performances ever. They're just serious. He's just
4: amazing. And he knocked him out back then, and it was just in nuts. But that will bring me to my absolute favorite book adaptation, being *No Country for Old Men* from Cormac McCarthy fantastic film absolutely fantastic book coen brothers you can't mess around with them them handling this nobody could have took this in better hands than them it is absolutely amazing it is a great great just the love of the book that they have and show in this movie is fantastic it's so good it's hands down easily
0: my favorite book adaptation you got to give them credit as we have noted in this podcast since the beginning but they have two movies that they didn't exactly write they kind of took subject material the first one being no country for old men and how isn't it's a Coen brother movie but it's not your standard Coen brother movie where there's you know a lot of that dark comic stuff in it that they did this straight you know what I mean they really played this yeah. straight and then the other one they did was the true grip yeah uh, remake that they did and again same thing you know there's a little bit of comedic uh, elements in there but they really play this straight down the, the middle they don't you know try to add in any quirky characters for no re- reason they really do play it straight in both those movies they're so so fucking good yeah fantastic all right so there's 10 and there's more than 10 that you can look out there, but there are 10 picks for our favorite book adaptation movies. Now, this week, in case you hadn't figured it out, the top five lists we will be doing for our actor, actress, and or object or weapon in a movie is going to be our five favorite Brad Pitt movies. And I will also preface this by saying this was hard to do. I looked through some of them. There's a stretch from 2007 to 2010 where you could pick all five of the six movies he was in, and you wouldn't be wrong. I will let Matt once again lead this one off and then I will close it out. So, Matt, take it away. So, I'm going to start mine off right with my number five being Fight Club. He
4: is absolutely fantastic as Tyler in Fight Club. He's amazing in it. Just as fucking wardrobe the way you hit the swagger that he carried through this role is insane you know it is fantastic it's a classic fincher film i absolutely love it there's really nothing more that i can say about it. his character i can't see anybody else playing tyler <laughs> now the question is do i give you the ass or the crotch
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> it slides by oh, oh the plane. my god
4: so good <laughs> so good uh but that will bring me to my number four uh brad pitt film being snatch with him playing the pikey do you like Daggs? So good. I I need a caveman from a mountain uncle blue. Oh, so good. Such he's fantastic in it. He's the only I want to say the only American in the film that jumps and plays a non-American character.
0: Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, uh, he is
4: fantastic because he
0: holds brilliant. his own with it. Talk about to... a bad wardrobe. <laughs> yeah,
4: talk about, yeah, two two different, uh, very different swagger-heavy wardrobes. Oh, man, I love his wardrobe in this, though. And his, oh, that accent is just fantastic.
0: Oh. And he kept the Fight Club physique in it. Yeah, he did. He still was cut
4: in the in this movie. Yeah, he was, he was jacked in this. But that will bring me to him playing Eldo the Apache in Inglorious Bastards. Fantastic. I love Inglorious Bastards. I love Eldo the Apache. He's so good. Ah, There's really nothing more. I can say it's a Tarantino film. It's about killing Nazis, and that's all they're going to do is kill Nazis. If you you don't get just love watching Nazis getting killed on screen. And scalped. You owe scalped Nazi scalps. Yeah. If you don't like that, then you're probably a Nazi. But that will bring me to another Tarantino film being the recent fantastic masterpiece, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, with him playing Cliff Booth. He is fantastic. He finally got his Oscar for playing this. It was well-deserved. He needed, he deserved it before that. Man, I think his first oh, yeah, nomination... He deserved this for many other roles. Yeah, he roles. was nominated yeah. I, originally. I think the first time was for 12 Monkeys for a supporting role. Finally, he got his Oscar. He handled it with such grace, accepting his Oscar up there. It was fantastic. It was great to see him get to go up on stage and grab that. I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's a fantastic movie, and he is perfect as Cliff Booth. But that will bring me to my number one being him as Detective Mills in another David Fincher film, Seven. Which Seven is my absolute favorite Fincher film, and I would absolutely I'd obviously have to say it's my favorite Brad Pitt film. I could watch it every day as fucked up as that movie is. It's so good. His performance in it is so great. He took a big leap in. Cause at the time he was in a lot of romantic films and you know almost romantic comedies you know this was the year that he took on seven and twelve monkeys to kind of break away from getting typecasted and he did a great job jumping away from that and showing us that He's got amazing acting chops.
0: Yeah, he's more than just the pretty boy. On he screen. really is. He he, yeah, he, and, he and DiCaprio had had the same kind of film change. You know, they were the pretty boys, and then they both take meaty roles. And from that moment on, they don't really get cast as the pretty boys anymore, which is great. Yes,
4: exactly. Yeah, they had to do that, and it's so good. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the little side note of that. Um, you know, he picked out his wardrobe, his own wardrobe for his character in Seven. But it was because he wanted to intentionally make uh, the guy a bad dresser. Most notably with his ties. Which his ties are fantastic in the film. The basketball tie. I want that fucking tie.
0: <laughs> so bad. But with that, I'll hand it off to you. All right. So we actually have three similar and two different. So my number five is Mr. Brad Pitt playing Jesse James in the movie directed by the gentleman who did this movie, Mr. Andrew Dominic, in The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. We talked about this a couple of uh, podcasts back about how Jesse, when he plays Jesse James, he plays him, it's a very visual, he's a lot of emotion, not a ton of dialogue, a lot of it's played within his face, it's a very quiet role for him, it's a very powerful role for him, it's a beautifully shot and set up movie, he is really, really good as Jesse James and it's one of those anti-hero movies that you get. And, I mean, the cast around him is fantastic as well. But just the way he plays him in such a quiet, reserved, a complete con- uh, contrast to if you've ever, anyone's ever seen the Young Guns movies where we get um, Billy the Kid and it's played with pure joy by Emilio Estevez. This is the opposite of that. This is uh, Brad Pitt playing Jesse James in a very quiet, subdued, you know, well-known killer from the 1800s. My number four is the other one where we differ. I consider this to be the movie of Saving Private Ryan and Tanks. It's Fury. And he plays a tank commander uh, with uh, for a tank crew. And it's an amazing, amazing war movie. So underrated. Uh, I remember my son and I went to see this. We absolutely love this movie. And I have a feeling it might be making this podcast in the near future. It is a fantastic World War II movie uh, about tanks, a tank crew. It's beautifully shot, uh, full attention. And Brad Pitt's character in this is absolutely great. Especially, I love the scene um, when they're in the upstairs Inside the German village, and he is being kind of questioned by his men. One of them being played by John Barenthal. and I just love his his response and just just the way he carries himself throughout this entire movie. It's fantastic. He is every bit as good as Tom, or Tom Cruise, as Tom Hanks is in Saving Private Ryan. Now we're going to meet up a couple places here. My number three is your number one, and that is Seven. The real breakout performance from him uh, in David Fincher's beautiful, beautiful movie. Absolutely love this movie. Just like you said, I could watch it all the time. Seven does not get old for me. It is beautifully shot. Beautifully written, beautifully acted. The music from Trent Reznor is fantastic, and it's its its own piece to the movie itself. But Brad Pitt really finally shakes off the fucking movie and long hair from Legends of the Fall. Yeah. And actually. That's
4: exactly what he was doing. He 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 wanted to get so far away from Legends of the Fall.
0: Yeah. he really shows his acting chops that he's not just this pretty boy. He can really act, and he is fantastic. Matched with Morgan Freeman, the two of them are fantastic on screen together. It's a great, great movie. My number two is his performance in Guy Ritchie's Snatch. He showed real comedic range, real range period yeah. in this movie. His he comedic is range is it's amazing.
4: You know what another movie is that he's hilarious in is Burn After Reading. I,
0: I told you, there's a lot of them on. I so not that I was like, It was oh, like, I could have. Yeah, uh, there's a hundred of. Like he has he, a lot of great roles. He like, could have picked a ton of them. I just tried to find the ones I really thoroughly enjoyed. Burn After Reading is great, but in Snatch, I, just, I love when he knocks the one guy with one punch and they look at him like, "What'd you do?" And he just kind of like shrugs his shoulders like, well, "I don't know." <laughs> he's like, oh, "I don't know." I didn't, so didn't know he was gonna go down. It's so good. It's he's so good in this movie. He uh, he steals the scenes in it. Every time he's on screen, it's it's pure joy, and Snatch is a fantastic ensemble movie. It's amazing, and it'll be coming up in a in a while from now. I I, I can promise you, I'm sure we'll, we'll definitely cover it at some point. And my number one is a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's inglorious bastards. Now the reason I didn't put Once Upon a Time in here is I actually liked his performance in this better. Again, it was a toss up. I could have put once this. I could have. I could move out three or four of these movies and put three or four in and still have be very happy with it. But I love him as Eldo Rain. And again, obviously people know that we are huge fans of Quentin Tarantino. But anytime he puts people on screen, they just they just shine. I, it's, he just knows how to get the best out of any actor. Yeah, he
4: can pull the best out of anybody.
0: There are a lot of actors he's put in movies that when you see them in their in this in the movie movie that he has them in you're like man this guy's an amazing or this girl's an amazing actress and then like you see a movie they come out in like two three years later and you're like who how the fuck are they still acting like it's like they they just completely forget what they did when they were in a tarantino movie he's great as an eldo the apache um <laughs> the whole opera house scene or the opera house, the whole movie theater scene where he's pretending to be italian is so fucking good it's so good he actually um <laughs> the way he says his name is not how quentin tarantino thought he's gonna do it and in the read through the way he did it, made everyone laugh, and so that's how it, they kept it in. So if you get to see it on the special editions, there's an interview with him and Tarantino, and Tarantino says that you know what Brad Pitt brought to the role. Uh, is one of the few actors he's allowed to kind of go a little bit off script, and um, he really, really nailed it. Watch this or die. So that will do it for this week's installment. Once again, we would both like to thank you for hanging out with us and letting us gush all over you about this movie. Now we do hope that you will enjoy it as much as we have. So please let us know what you thought of this movie by reaching out to us on our social media platforms. Now we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Watch This or Die. Also, feel free to DM us your thoughts of this week's film. You can always give us your own top five list, tell us what you did or didn't like about the show, and even suggest some movies for us to watch. Now, uh, we hope you will join us again next week for our next movie recommendation and as always i'm scott Croucher. i'm matt laquette and until next time watch this or die